Hey, this is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerialist Podcast. How's it going, guys? Thanks so much for being with me. Before we get started, check the show notes uh, for my website. We've got lots of free resources for you guys, including uh, a mini course that's free and then also a flagship course. So if you guys are in the market for an online course, beginner to intermediate, um, all all of the 101s, it's, it's there for you. You can go check it out. And um, yeah, I'd love to have you as a student. Uh, all right. So today we have Mary Hartman. She is from Michigan here in the States and uh, in digital marketing. And uh, we talk all about a hypertonic pelvic floor. She had her kid and had a really, really tough vaginal delivery and is now kind of dealing with the after effects, the long-term effects of having a too tight pelvic floor and all these things that come with it. Um, it's so intriguing, so interesting. And uh, she really opens up and shares about this. It's really important though, because hypertonic pelvic floor is so um, common in our population. So really important to learn about it. Um, let's get started. Yeah, my name is Mary Hartman, and I live in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, which is the the town where U of M is, <laughs> University of Michigan. Um, so, kind of uh, an offshoot of the Detroit area um, in southeast Michigan. And um, yeah, what else? What else about me? <laughs> yeah, what do you do for what do you do for a living? Yeah, I uh, I work as a marketing director. Uh, and I know most of the people on your show, like a lot of them are professional aerialists, but I'm just, just a, a wee little amateur um, aerialist. <laughs> no, it's a half, it's a half and half. It's fully 50%, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And your family, tell me about, a little bit about your family and a little bit about your aerial practice. Yes. Um, so I am the mother to a wonderful pandemic. I guess he's not a baby anymore. Pandemic toddler. I had him February of 2020, so I got in right before wow. lockdowns happened. <laughs> yeah, um, which was very, very interesting. We were all cocooned up after we had him. We were, you know, newborn cocoon, uh, just staying home, and then we were just ready to go out, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so um, it was definitely not not really the newborn experience that I wanted, but you know, life happens. So I started. Uh, aerial, my aerial practice in 2018. And um, I just thought, I think I'd, I'd moved to Ann Arbor not that long before. And I uh, found an aerialist gym, which is Ann Arbor Aviary, which is a really terrific gym out here in, in Michigan. And um, I, I was just curious because I was always one of those kids that really enjoyed, you know, like hanging off the monkey bars. But I had essentially, when I started, no upper body strength like at all. I was mostly just a runner before I became an aerialist. So it was a huge change in, um, yeah, and just like my my physical discipline. It was just a, a really big, different thing that I was trying. You only started aerial two years before you got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So that's interesting because... I actually, most of the ladies that I talk to, they have like a really like 
entrenched aerial practice before they get pregnant or not at all. Mm-hmm. They, they do their, they've started their aerial practice way, you know, like after the child. Mm-hmm. So you only had about two years in upper body strength was like really hard to build. How about your like ab strength before baby? Yeah. Before aerial, my aerial practice, uh, I dedicated so much time to running, but I also did a lot of yoga. Um, so yeah, basically my whole athletic, I guess, athletic career would be, uh, about 10 years of running, like six half marathons. And then, oh, wow. I practiced yoga for about 10 years before I started aerial. Uh, so my flexibility was really on point and, and my core strength came from yoga as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely starting from square one with upper body strength as a whole, um, because I didn't, I didn't even have that much ab strength or arm strength or upper body strength from yoga. I wasn't one of those hand standing yoga, yoga people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, you know, doing the the super basic uh, vinyasa stuff and having the endurance and the the flexibility. And I'm 36 now, so I'm a late in life athletic person. Though I, I didn't do any high school sports, I didn't do any college sports. Everything has been very um, just me, like committing to different pursuits on my own. Um, and I think that that's also a differentiator for me too, is I, I start very, very late in almost everything I try. Before the training piece, is there anything about the pregnancy or your postpartum that stands out to you? Postpartum, I, it was a very big struggle for me. Um, I basically have a, it's called a hypertonic uh, pelvic floor, which means my pelvic floor is very, very tight. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think it's very common mm-hmm. and um, in aerialists and in dancers for sure to have that. Um, so I, it was a very big, uh, I mean, it's had an impact on my training. I think it'll have an impact on my training forever because I've had to learn how to relax myself more and uh, flex, flexibility really saved me. Um, I told my flexibility coach at one point when I was trying to recover from pelvic floor um, and just trying to ease the pain away um, that like I could have never yoga'd my way out of this like contortion training and active flexibility. It made such a huge difference in just being able to to loosen that up. Um, and it, so what were your symptoms from the hypertonic? Like, what did it feel like? What were the problems? What did it create yeah. for you? Yeah. So uh, I had a very complex birth. So um, there are pieces of it that were definitely, um, you know, just just some medical trauma and a fourth degree tear. And it just a cascade of, of interventions. Um, and so I think a big piece of that was, was healing from my tear, um, which it was tricky during the pandemic. It was very hard to get an appointment with a PT, um, like an appointment mm. for a physical therapist. Uh, so I let it go for a really long time. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was, I, I gave myself a lot of time to, uh, to, for my body to get very confused about what was going on. Um, so it was, it was really tricky in that way. Um, it's just isolating and trying to, you know, find the right YouTube video to fix this. 
Um, and I can't emphasize enough how important it is, especially for, you know, someone with a tight pelvic floor to seek an actual professional because I was trying to do, you know, the kegels and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, the minute I went into my pelvic floor PT, uh, she told me like, no, you're banned from doing kegels. You cannot do any kegels. I will not let you do kegels for, you know, and it was at least a couple months. She completely banned me from doing any kind of kegel exercises. So were you so tight that she had to, did you actually have like, did you have to have the manual massage or was it enough just to do the breathing work? Uh, the breath work helps, but it w- yeah, I would not have recovered without manual massage. Um, okay. So that's, I mean, obviously that's so hard without an Mm -hmm. (laughs) in-person PT. Yeah. They have to do it themselves. Um, and teach you how to do it yourself. Yeah. And teach you how to do it yourself. So does that mean like sex was incredibly painful? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Actually, I'm still trying to figure out how to make a tampon work. (laughs) Um, oh, and, and how old is your kid? Now? She's two and a half. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. So you, okay. I did not have hypertonic pelvic floor like you did. Yeah. Mine is, mine had- is extremely, is very, very severe. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and you had a vaginal, obviously a vaginal birth and it's, it's more about how the body, how your pelvic floor reacted afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have a pelvic, a t- hypertonic pelvic floor previous to that? Uh, I did not. Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Okay. At least not that I knew of. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard thing too is, you know, it, you know, when people don't talk about it, um, it's hard to yeah. know, you know, until something goes wrong, um, you know, or something frustrates it further. Um, yeah. To, to know. But um, I've found so many. You know what happens a lot? Sorry. Mm-hmm. What happens a lot, Mary, with, with women who have hypertonic pelvic floor beforehand, mm-hmm. before a vaginal birth, just from uh, anecdotal, mm-hmm. from what I've heard, is that the muscles are so tight that they get stretched beyond how they can stretch and it, they basically like break. Wow. Like they stop working. And then mm-hmm. you end up with the opposite and prolapse happens and you can't get the muscles to come back together. That has happened so much with the hypertonic women who were that way beforehand. Wow. But then with you having it afterward, it's like a completely different issue. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know if you've heard about that. I, no, I haven't. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm amazed yeah. I don't fall into that camp because, because my birth was, it was such a mess. <laughs> like I had preeclampsia. Um, I didn't get contractions, so I had to be induced, um, which was, it was fine. There was a very gentle induction, you know, it, it, they took their time, but uh, I ended up being dilated at 10 for over 12 hours because oh wow the the little sucker got stuck <laughs> um when my son came out he had a big bruise on his eye because he was stuck in my hip for for so long um and yeah it was it was a mess um yeah and it was an episiotomy and all that all that stuff so i am i'm really amazed that my body has come out so um well put together like the healing process went well. Okay. Um, the scar process, the scar healing process went well. Um, everything went, went really, really great. Like 
they uh, they stitched me up in an operating room instead of right in the in the labor room because they wanted to do it right. Um, so they they did all of that. Fourth degree tear. Fourth degree tear. Is that when it's all the way torn through? Correct. Yep. Ah. Yes. 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 Oh man. Okay. Yep. Um. Oh, as a woman, you just you just like you just grimace a little bit when you think about it. No, um, it's cringeworthy. <laughs> it is cringeworthy. Okay, so your muscles were like, nope, and they just tightened up, mm-hmm. and it's. Um, and so, have you gotten to a point where you can have sex without pain? Uh, not yet, but I am starting. Oh man, that is so this. rough. I am. I've. I'm mostly, I have my routine down. So I'm to a point where I have my, my wand, I have my stretches that I do to open up. Um, I have my breathing uh-huh. routine. Um, but I'm also bringing in a component of just mental health. Uh, so I actually just started sex therapy to work out the trauma that I went through. Um, and I think that's also a really important thing. If your if your labor does just completely go sideways, um, is to, not just get your physical health looked at, but also your mental health. Um, depending on uh, it's sexual or birth trauma is so interesting to me because um, it doesn't really matter exactly what happens. What, what really matters is if you feel like you've had control or that you have consent over what happened to your body. Um, and so even if I had a labor that wasn't, you know, <laughs> a horror show, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that it's that element of consent that wasn't there. Um, they didn't ask me if uh, they didn't inform me they were going to give me an episiotomy before I got an episiotomy. Uh, they have to cut. Yeah, they gave me the cut to get my son out. Um, it had been so long. It was a vac assist as well. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and that creates pelvic floor issues too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So it was the whole thing. Um, but because it was too late, did did they ever consider a a C section like halfway through, or was it beyond that point? Yeah, um, if I could go back, I would have just done a C section, <laughs> especially considering. Right, right. Um, I mean, I've I've gone through you know pelvic floor therapy. I've graduated from it. I have my routine. I I have you know my pain management techniques, um, but essentially. I will have this pain. This pain will not really go away. Um, so I, I think when I came, when I went in, I think I was like many women where that you know you want the all natural birth, you want a vaginal birth, you know you have these this wish list. Um, but if I could go back, I would have, I would have had a plan B, <laughs> or I would have been less staunch in my commitment to a vaginal or a natural birth uh, because it did get to a point. Um, and I wish they had, um, you know, told me somehow, you know, uh, that this could cause long-term damage if I wanted to continue to go this vaginal route. Um, and I would have opted out. Now I look back and I think, man, I would have opted out if I knew the consequences of me being so committed to vaginal delivery, essentially. I would have taken a C-section any, any time. <laughs> so, yeah. You know what? I've heard this, you know, just because I interview women about this all the time. It mm-hmm. is, it is like maddening to me 
that it's not talked about because mm-hmm. I, I kind of understand from the surgeon's point of view, because they're just so focused on getting the baby out yeah. that they don't necessarily like talk to you in the moment. But the amount of things that I've learned about the after effects of blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not common knowledge. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, it does remind me of like when I was pregnant and I took the Lamaze classes or whatever. And um, there was so much focus on, um, you know, safety of the baby and, you know, making sure that the baby would be, you know, okay. Um, but I think in all of my classes before birth, it just wasn't discussed the long-term implications of making certain choices um, to the mother, you know, because we have to live in this body after we have a kid. (laughs) It's not just like everything reverts back. Um, We talk about, you know, postpartum bodies, you know, with, you know, our breasts sink or, you know, we gain weight and things like that. But um, just being able to live a life where we aren't in pain. Um, it's just not discussed enough. And I feel like pelvic floor therapy is starting to get more popular, which is really, really awesome. Um, and that's, that's a huge help, but yeah, it can be, it can be tricky. What you were saying was that you actually trained through your pregnancy. How long did you train? I think I trained to around 34 or 35 weeks. So I trained for a long time. Oh, that's, that's a while. And it felt good until it didn't. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It felt good until I guess, when did I know I had to stop? I think it was the weight, um, how heavy I was getting and I would be so breathless. Um, and when I started to think, um, I was into my 30, maybe 30, 31st week or so. And I climbed up on the trapeze and I was like, okay, this is, this is too much now. (laughs) Then I downshifted to silks for quite a while. Um, but even then, you know, things like foot binds when your feet are swelling, things like that. And then afterwards, when did you go back? Um, and there was a pandemic in there too. So that makes it complicated too. Yeah, that does make it really complicated. I did buy a rig the summer after. <laughs> I think we all, didn't we all buy a rig in summer of 20? Um, <laughs> I think, I think you lucky people that have Back like grass. Yeah. But yeah, I have no backyard. So I was not buying a rig, but I did find myself a friend who had an outdoor rig at that time. Nice. So yeah. yeah. Um, how long did how long did you take uh before you went back? I probably took about 10 months. Really long time. Yeah. Mm, that's that's probably a good number to show people because mm-hmm. everyone's like, I waited two and a half weeks after the six week period. And yeah, yeah, not the best. Yeah, I was yeah. experiencing the beginnings of my angry pelvic floor, essentially, um, mostly in the mm. form of just like tailbone pain and like back pain. Um, of course, I assumed the back pain was all like from hunching over breastfeeding. Um, I didn't really feel really, really good in the air until I stopped breastfeeding, which was about a year after I had my son. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was like the clouds parted (laughs) after I stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My friend liked to call it like your life force kind of rushing back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how it felt for me too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to not have... 
have your energy literally being sucked out of you all the time. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Three to 700 calories a day? Yeah. Out of the boobs. Yeah. yeah. And I just interviewed a woman who lives in the Bay Area who is making like 70 ounces of milk a day. Wow. Holy cow. And like, I can't even imagine the caloric expenditure, you know, that that is, it's crazy. I actually saw a post of yours. uh, You're talking about your postnatal shoulder troubles. Oh yeah. 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 What was really interesting was, yeah, like I said, I I assumed it was just breastfeeding that did it, just hunching over, um, just the act of being hunched or, you know, you're lifting a baby, um, even though tiny, you know, newborns are like, they weigh nothing compared to, you know, toddlers or whatnot. But, um, so I had assumed, you know, it was just some, you know, just a very typical, um, postpartum feeling, but, uh, I went to my primary care provider and she sort of took a look at me and it's like, yeah, maybe you should see a PT. Um, so I went to a PT and the PT, they were doing their investigative work and, uh, Uh, you know, just having me twist and bend. And they were noticing like one of my shoulders was absolutely frozen. Like I could not get my arm even close to above my head. Like I couldn't go very far beyond say like a 90 degree, like trying to lift it. Um, so the, 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 it started talking about frozen shoulder at, at first and they had me going through, you know, exercises to loosen that up. Um, but it very, very quickly, um, very quickly, they, they realized that it was actually my pelvic floor that was causing this, this pain to sort of radiate up my back. And they ended up, wow. Yeah. They said, they said to me, they said, you know, just go across the hall. You have to see a pelvic floor therapist. Um, and that I was really shocked because when you think of pelvic floor problems, you know, think, oh, you know, your hips must hurt or your sciatica must hurt or, you know, just the the lower part of your body. But my pelvic floor was really deeply affecting everything else. The whole chain of my back was being affected by the tightness of my pelvic floor. Um, and that's, it's, uh, there was someone w- mentioned um, a really good analogy for a hypertonic pelvic floor, which is, it's like clenching your fist all day long. <laughs> Only that fist is, is actually your pelvic floor that is clenched all day, every day. It's clenched when you're sleeping. It's clenched when you're awake. It's clenched all the time. And it's going to cause all the other parts of your body to, um, to feel that fatigue. Uh, so in my case, I was feeling it all the way up into my shoulder, which caused a, a frozen shoulder. Um, so the, I got only got so far with a traditional PT, but when I got referred out to a, a pelvic floor PT, they were able to really find that source of, of tightness and, and it, it helped out that entire chain up my back, um, to have the pelvic floor and know how to massage it know how to stretch it and know how to like breathe into it and open it up. Yeah. So how long was it until your shoulder pain started to kind of go down? I would say maybe four to six weeks. It took some time. Okay. That's not as long as it could be though. Mm -mm. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Had I known we were going to be talking about a hypertonic pelvic floor all morning, I would have (laughs) come prepared with a lot of jokes. (laughs) 
I should have them in my back pocket. I like, I, I have a, I have a podcast about aerialists and pregnancy. Like that should be like the baseline <laughs> of my preparedness. Um, yeah, that really, really sucks. Okay. So I've never told the story in here because I keep on forgetting. So I have a really tight body generally. Like I can't strength train and put on muscle and end up with watery, beautiful muscles. Like that is not how my DNA goes. So I train moderately hard and then I tighten up to the point where I can't train for like a couple weeks. Like, well, you know, like the, the, the muscles are contracted and they don't, they don't go back. They have to be massaged and rolled and blah, 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 and rested. And then I can go back. So like, I can't train that hard. Like I have to train to a certain amount and then go do the maintenance. So when I went in and my water broke and I went in and a friend of mine was like, just get the epidural right away. And so I did because I wasn't trying to have no medicine, nothing. So they gave it to me pretty early on. And so I had a bit of a like miscommunication. So it didn't even work all the way, all the way through. But like in 30 hours, I had this on and off again, epidural and all the tension that is all already in my body made its way into my neck and shoulders. Oh, wow. And I spasmed in my neck and shoulders. Whoa. Wild. So badly, so badly that it took over any of the other discomfort in my body. It was like, there's only one thing that I, 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 like I couldn't even lay there without my, I, my back and my, my shoulders having ice packs on them. That's unreal. It's like your body was like, where am I going to put this tension? Oh, I'll put it here. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then I don't know why I was surprised by this, but the nurses had never seen that before ever. And I was like, really? How could it be this rare? It makes sense to me. You're killing all of my sensation, waist, raw line down, basically. And then all the tension has, has to go somewhere. Yeah. So I spasm to the point where I had to, it, it was kind of like your situation too, except multiverse. I went a different direction. <laughs> like my kid, the, her head was not tilted in the right direction. So she wasn't dropping into my pelvis correctly, except for my situation, you were at 10 centimeters. I only got to four. So she never even dropped in there, um, but she would have dropped in there at an angle and it would have been really bad for her neck. It would have been bad for the birth, everything. Wow. But the reason I, I ultimately decided to go for a C-section is because I knew I couldn't push because my shoulders were spasming. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even move. I couldn't look right to left. I was just, it was, it was crazy. And then when they laid me down to have the C-section, they didn't give me anything more than what I already had. And I couldn't even lay back. I was screaming. Wow. Like, and it was because of my shoulders and neck. Isn't that? That's amazing. And I haven't heard of that from anybody else since. Yeah. No, I've never heard of that either. I was like, uh, yeah, had a prolonged version of that, I suppose, because my body was displacing the tension in my upper body. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I wonder if having, upper, right. So I like, wonder if having musculature in your upper body could like affect that too. 
I think I think that my body it makes sense to me because without anything else going on, I am like you know this far away from having my some of my muscles in my body be in full contraction all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I have to work so hard for them to relax. It's just my DNA, whatever. Um, but it's again, like, I'm like, Oh shit, I need to share the story because somebody out there is experiencing this and they've never heard of it either. Yeah. Because, but it makes absolute sense when it comes from like the energeticness of the body, like it needs to go somewhere. It doesn't just like go away. Mm-hmm. Tension doesn't just go away. So this is very interesting because basically your pelvic floor did what my shoulders did mm-hmm. kind of yeah. afterwards. Um, and then now affecting you in such a immense, immense way. So how does aerial training kind of marry with that? Because pelvic floor and inversions, you know, obviously if you don't have a healthy pelvic floor, inversions are really hard. Mm-hmm. So what do your inversions feel like? M- mine was the opposite because my pelvic floor was weak and it was not, it was weak, but not tight mm-hmm. necessarily. I had like the ring, like, like if I put like a wand or my fingers up my vaginal canal, the very opening was painfully tight, mm-hmm. but beyond that, it was more healthy. So it was just that ring that I was having trouble with, like the very opening uh, but yours was not, yeah, yours was all of it, right? Yeah, so yours is more so, of a dilator situation, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's what I gave, got. Yeah. Oh, are those, are, is that the difference between the two uh, tools? Yeah, dilators will help. It's almost like a, I hate to say it, it's like a butt plug for your, <laughs> for your vagina uh, where it, it goes in just the sh- shortest opening. Um, because that's the primary part where you're um, experiencing. Uh, okay. Um, for me, so much of it is around um, my tightness is around like my tailbone or my hips. Um, and that's, okay. that's where vaginal wands are amazing. It looks, uh, it, it's like a, like a, an S sort of shape. Um, okay. And you can literally go in there and you can massage and open up your hip from the inside of your body, which is, it's like the most lovely thing about being a woman is that, uh, there are a lot of men with hypertonic pelvic floors, but they have to go and in they can't get in there. Different. <laughs> well, they have to go up the other doorway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, before I practice anything, before I go to the, the gym, uh, to do any weight training, or if I go to the aerialist gym, um, I always make sure I take that little extra time, which it's hard with kids to find with, with a kid to find time. Um, but I always try to find that time to, um, really massage, open up, breathe into it. Um, and that is my primary area of tightness definitely is, you know, just going in there and literally rubbing in an, an up and down, um, my tailbone. Um, I think my, um, my actual tailbone has a tendency to, um, pull under essentially. Um, and it's almost like, you know, just like, almost like popping it up, which that was the strangest part of pelvic floor therapy too, was, um, after a while they determined my, my tailbone had just been smashed down almost. And they had to go in and they literally had to like, I guess, pop it like a tab on a soda almost, you know, just like had to push it. So it would be flared the way it was supposed to be. Um, okay. So is there cartilage there? Yeah. 
Is that how that happens? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just the, the muscles have a tendency. There's a really great book. Um, it's called headache in the pelvis and it's specifically about over tight pelvic floor. Um, dysfunction. And the most interesting thing uh, that they say in that book is um, they mention even um, as animals, we, um, we have a, our muscles have a tendency to try and just put that non-existent tail between our legs. Um, so sometimes you do find people oh. yeah, with really big like tailbone problems and it's literally your muscles are just like, they're contracting in such a way that they're almost like trying to get that you know, the tail we don't have trying to tuck that between our legs. Um, because it is, it's a, it's a, um, it's a bodily reaction, but it's also, it's like, it's such a, um, a mental reaction. It's such a physiological thing to want to, you know, you're, you're trying to lock it down. You're trying to, um, tuck yourself in <laughs> from the inside of your body. Yeah. I've never heard either one of those things, either the tail thing, but that makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. And then that it can kind of separate like that because usually those, those bones in your sacrum aren't fused necessarily, but are, I don't know enough about the tailbone. I didn't realize that that could. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's very easy. Is it? Mm -hmm. On you. I I don't think my tailbone actually (laughs) goes out out a little bit uh always has like even my uh my doctors are like yeah your tailbone flares out a little bit mm-hmm. um i obviously wouldn't i am encourage so- people to run out and and stick a wand in them and <laughs> <laughs> definitely would leave it to a professional um but- so you basically do this work on yourself before you do an any any workout and does it it helps you just have a healthy workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I go in okay. really tight um, and I'm, I'm tight. I mean, a lot. I'm, I experience tightness almost every day. Um, it's just different varying levels. Um, but I get tighter, especially when I'm stressed out um, or, you know, just thinking bad thoughts, you know, it starts to spiral and, and the, it, that comes out in my, my physicality and my muscles contracting. Um, so yeah, definitely always have to take the time. If I go into a class and I haven't taken care of that, um, I'm going to be a little mentally distracted by the pain. Um, but then also physically, um, just it limits things like, um, being able to straddle, being able to, you know, um, uh, basically get my, my hips to have any kind of mobility. to be able to, you know, get on the trapeze or, um, or straddle up or invert or things like that. Yeah. And you absolutely had none of this before the birth, before the pregnancy. Nope. Yeah. No. This is all from that. Does it, are, are you guys like, um, done with just the one or did you want to have a bigger family than that? I did want to have at least two kids. Um, but after everything I've been through, um, yeah, I'm completely, I'm completely one and done. Um, I, I would never want to risk it essentially. Um, Mm. yeah, now that, you know, I, I, I already live in chronic pain. Um, so I just want to make sure I don't frustrate that further 
Uh, so yeah, we're, we're at least biologically one and done for sure. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Um, I feel like, well, there's, there's a lot of examples of women who don't go through traumatic birth experiences. I, mm-hmm. I personally did like, I, my daughter's the best thing in my life, but I do not like thinking about the day that she was born because it was a terrible day for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was not a good experience for me those days. Um, so women who do go through traumatic birth, it's like, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot mentally, emotionally, physically, everything. And, um, I end up talking about the stuff that is going on in our country every week because I'm so fired up mm-hmm. <laughs> about yeah. it because it just, it just, get, it just brings back the idea to me of like forcing somebody to have a baby. What really bothers me a lot um, now that I'm part of the mom club, <laughs> I guess, is, you know, when you talk to other moms um, and when you meet other moms, uh, everyone always talks about their births and it's like telling war stories. Um, even the ones where everything went, went well, there's always these, you know, these crazy elements, these uncomfortable elements of, of any birth. Um, even if it's as smooth as can be, um, there's always the discussion about, oh, about getting mastitis from breastfeeding or, you know, having a funky, you know, your IUD puncturing your uterus or, I mean, there's just so many things we always talk about, but it's just with other mothers. And, um, my hope is that someday it will be appropriate for uh, the, the, the greater world can know these war stories because as it is, it's not, it's, it's useful in our community to talk to each other about it, but everybody needs to know about these things that happen to us. Um, and I know it's always, it's hard to talk about. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, people trying to, you know, you got, you want to maintain your privacy, you want to maintain your mental health. Um, but in so many ways, I feel like the world, it won't change until they fully understand everything, <laughs> everything that women go through um, to bring, to bring life into the world. So, yeah. Yeah. And for some women, over and over and over in their life, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how many kids you have. I have one myself and I'm happy with her. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. I'm so happy with my little bean. So, um, and it, what you just said reminded me about how not all, but some men, you know, they start hearing conversation like this, either they aren't interested or it's just cringeworthy. They run away, you know, <laughs> like, Oh yeah. I'm, and I'm going to run away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I would love if my partner could have a kid. <laughs> that would be great if he could give birth to a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to do it. Oh my God. That'd be amazing. But, um, you know, Mary, I really appreciate your openness. Like I, I go into these conversations and I'm just like, what are we going to talk about? Oh my God, we talked about that pelvic floor <laughs> and that you're so open to talk about it. Um, you're not alone. It happens every single week somehow, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, but um, it's, it's, it's very personal. It's very private. And yes, the world needs to know this is what happens sometimes when you give birth and then you're also trying to go back to what you love to do in the air. And that can be, you know, super hard to come back to. 
you know? So yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. No problem. Mary. Um, I would also want to note that like, I know my story is, is scary, but, um, but it's also, it's just made me a better aerialist. It's made me a better athlete in mm. general. There are so many things I've learned on conditioning my body and, and performing flexibility and drills and focusing on details that I don't think I would have ever learned if I hadn't had this gigantic speed bump in my training. Um, because I'm, I guess I'm about two and a half years out from, from the beginning of that experience. And, um, I just, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm necessarily grateful that it happened, but I can see the areas where I've gotten so much stronger, both physically, mentally, um, in every mm-hmm. way, uh, because, because of my experiences that I had and that I went through. So, yeah. I think this is going to be really beneficial to those ladies out there who, uh, might be going through this themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants to contact me, I am on the aerialist mom's Facebook group. <laughs> so I feel like I'm the only yes. one that posts about hypertonic atomic stuff a lot, <laughs> or I used to a lot because I was going through it so much. And yeah, it's so seldom talked about. And I think I'm just going to, I I have my routine and I'm going to, I'm going to deal with it forever, but I'm in the air. I'm still flying. So we'll see what the future brings with, with healing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll do a check-in with you in about a year and see how your pelvic oh, sure. floor is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks so much, Mary, for sharing your story and being so open. I really think that there's a lot of women out there who will benefit from from hearing this story. And it's it's not uh, uncommon in our population. So uh, if you guys go to the show notes and go to the website, there is a really easy, easy link to uh, sign up for the student portal for the free course or the flagship course that has uh, my entire curriculum for beginner to intermediate students. And uh, if you would honor me with the five-star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcasts. I would appreciate you. Love you forever. And I appreciate you for being here. So have a wonderful week. I'll see you next time. This is Carrie signing off. This is the Expecting Aerialist.